Well, hello, my friends. The grace and peace of our Lord and Savior be with you. I want to welcome you to the Sermons from the Cornfield podcast, a weekly podcast where the sermons that I preach each and every Sunday are uploaded for you to listen to and review. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill, and I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. God bless. Friends, our sermon text this morning comes from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. We'll be in chapter 64, reading verses 1 through 9. Again, this is Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you are angry and we sin. Because you hid yourself, we transgress. We have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. My friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. So who uh, decorated their house for Christmas this weekend? How many of you have been decorated for a few weeks now? I used to have this unofficial rule at our house that we could not, would not decorate for Christmas until December 7th, which happens to be the birthday of my favorite basketball player of all time, Mr. Larry Joe Bird. I have since relented from that hard and fast rule over the years. Maybe I'm getting soft. Case in point, we now have a tree up in our house, fully decorated and ready. Our tree is a combination of ornaments that match and some ornaments that don't match. We don't really have a unifying theme as such. We have ornaments that we have gathered over the course of the, the past few years. I know some folks actually have theme trees or even have multiple trees in their house. Why do we decorate our homes for Christmas? because we want to be prepared for the season, right? We want to be ready for family and friends and whoever else might drop by. And 
even if they don't come inside all the way, they at least get a peek inside our house. We want them to see that we are ready for Christmas. After all, that is the question that we're going to start asking each other as we see each other out at Walmart or Dollar General, wherever it may be, this time of year, isn't it? Are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready for Christmas? It's all about preparation. In our reading this morning from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah is a great prophet of preparation. We quote him all the time during the season of Advent. And we often use the more hopeful parts of passages from Isaiah. And most of the years, as we start to get ready for Advent, we hear from the parts where Isaiah tells us that we are awaiting the one who will be called Wonderful Counselor or Almighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of peace. But in today's passage, Isaiah's preparation looks very different. Isaiah prepares us for the Savior by reminding us that everything is not okay. This is so different from how we usually prepare for Christmas, though, isn't it? We usually prepare by trying to make sure that everything looks as if it's the most okay that it has ever been. We think that our house is going to be ready for Christmas when there's a place for everything and everything is in its place. We feel like our house is ready for Christmas when it is ready for guests to come and be astounded and amazed to think that it is perfectly on point, that in this house the garland is in the right spot, the Christmas tree has all the lights on it carefully and perfectly, it's standing straight up, all the presents are wrapped, and there's not an empty Amazon box anywhere to be found in the house. That's when we are ready for Christmas. But Isaiah this morning says, we are ready, Lord, because we are falling apart. We are ready for you, and we know that we are ready because the world is going up in flames. We need you so badly that even if you cause an earthquake, we're okay with that. Just please, Lord, Come quickly. Come and make this place your home. We often tell the story around the time of Christmas about how it was that Jesus came into the world and how the world wasn't ready for him. We hear all the stories how his parents, Mary and Joseph, go to the city of Bethlehem and they find there is no room for them at the inn or in the guest house, whatever or however you want to translate it. There's no spot for them in Bethlehem. We tell how wise men came to King Herod and say, where is this new king and savior that is born? And King Herod is not ready. Herod sends them on as his spies because he wants to do away with this new threat. And we seem to think that our job every Christmas is to prove that we are not making the same mistake. We think this year we're going to get it right. We think that there is no way that we would ever miss Jesus. We're going to roll out the purple carpet. We'll have everything ready for you, Jesus. We will build a picture-perfect scene where the only thing missing is that baby in the manger. And then when he comes, softly, slowly, backlit as he floats down from heaven, Jesus will find a soft landing because we have lined the manger with the softest, bestest, 
pest and allergy-free synthetic hay that we could find at Hobby Lobby. We aren't like those first century failures. No, we are going to be ready. But Isaiah keeps saying that the best way to be ready is to know just how unready we are. The best way to be ready is to know how badly we need a Savior. But we spend most of our Advent pretending like and trying to prove like our home doesn't need one. In Isaiah's time, Jerusalem was the spiritual home of the people of Israel. At least once a year, all the people of Israel were expected to go up to Jerusalem. And that's how they would always refer to it, as going up to Jerusalem. In the Hebrew language, Jerusalem had such an exalted place in people's minds that it was always about going up to Jerusalem. No matter if you were coming from the north or from the south or from the east or from the west, you still had to go up to get to Jerusalem. It didn't matter if you lived in the highlands on top of a mountain that was much higher than Mount Zion, where the temple was built, you were still going up to Jerusalem. But Isaiah looks up and he says that our holy house, the temple on that mountain, is in ruins. It is burned with fire. Isaiah says we can't go up there anymore. And even if we do, there's nothing there for us. And so, since we can't go up, Isaiah says what? Lord, oh, that you would come down. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens. We've given up on getting up there to you, God. Our only hope is for you to come down to us. Since we are not worthy and not ready to come up to you, God, our only hope is for you to come down. Now, at the holidays, what expression do we use in the South to inquire as to who might be coming home for Christmas? What do we say? Y'all coming down? Y'all coming down for Christmas? For me, anyway, this phrase, y'all coming down, means y'all coming home? St. John tells us in chapter 1 of his gospel that Jesus Christ, the word became flesh and made his home among us. We can't go up to him, so he made his home among us by coming down. John then goes on to say that Christ came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. It used to be when I would read that passage, I thought what that meant was that, well, people must have just hated Jesus. That's why they didn't receive him. They thought that they were better off without him. But the longer that I have been in ministry, the more that I talk to people about their faith and about their struggles, the more I come to discover that for at least as many people as there are who reject Jesus outright, there is an equal number who won't receive him because they think that they're not ready. Oh, Jesus, I would love for you to come by. Let's break bread together. Just give me a couple weeks. I'm going to get my home together to get all the decorations in the right place, because if we're going to do this, we're going to do it upright. Jesus is knocking, and we say, just give me a moment. But that moment becomes two weeks, then a month, and Jesus is still at the door knocking. 
yet we are still tidying up. As an old spiritualist says, every time I feel the spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. But instead we say, Lord, I'm just not in a good place for prayer right now. It's a little too chaotic around me right now. I tell you what, tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up really early when it's nice and quiet, and it'll just be you and me. And Jesus keeps knocking. The morning comes, and it's busier than we expected. Before we know it, our lives have fallen again into chaos. And friends, here what I, here's what, what I think that chaos truly looks like. Here's what chaos is. It's when you have such a lofty picture of what you ought to be presenting to other people or to Jesus that your big and beautiful vision of what you should be or how you should look becomes the reason that you're never ready. When we were getting close to graduating seminary, we knew that an appointment was forthcoming. You start thinking about where you're going to live particularly when you're moving from Kentucky back to North Carolina like we did. And Heidi and I had conversations about parsonages. Now, we had heard horror stories about parsonages from other clergy. And when you go online, you start reading about stories about parsonages, as with much, most any other story or any other subject, the good, the bad stories rather outweigh the good stories 10 to 1, it seems. And one of the concerns that we had then, and certainly when we first moved to Camden, was wanting our house to always be tidy and ready for company, no matter when they may arrive. And friends, that's a lot of pressure, particularly in a house with two teenagers and the kind of messes that, that they can make. And this is not unique to me and, or our family. Other clergy I've talked to have mentioned similar feelings. And in passing, I mentioned this to one of my mentors last week, and he relayed a story from back when he served. He's retired now. It was something that one of his former members told him, and he told me that he found this to be, by and large, true of most everyone. She told him, Preacher, here's what you need to understand. If you're coming to visit me, you can drop in anytime. If you're coming to see my house, I need three days notice. But I promise you, if I'm at your house unexpectedly, it is because I want to see you, not your house. Friends, which one do you think Jesus wants from you? When Jesus says he wants to dwell with us, he'll take care of making the house. What he wants is to simply be with you. He came down to make his home in the middle of our mess, friends, because he knows that our mess is the reason we need him. In our own day and time, our homes have replaced Jerusalem as the place for a great pilgrimage. Some of you right now are planning for the pilgrimage you are going to make to your parents' house or to the aunts and uncles, wherever it is that you're going. Some of you are preparing for someone to make a pilgrimage back to your house. And you're worried about whether everything will go just right. 
Will it go as smoothly as the plan? Is the food going to be all out at the same time? Will it all be just as hot as it needs to be? Will I have every single decoration in the right spot to remind everyone of all those wonderful memories that we want them to remember? And yet you know that at the core of your being, that when you're in the middle of it, the house will become a home when you are no longer paying attention to the things on your walls or the temperature of the food or the timetable you set for your perfect celebration. You will know you are ready when you are able to receive the person who was right in front of you and they are ready to receive you and you share with one another something more than just pleasantries. When you share the fullness of your life, the back and forth, the good and the bad, when you share your hopes and your disappointments, that's what makes the house a home. Our lives are no different for Christ. Jesus is not waiting for you to get it all figured out, to have it all picture perfect. Christ is already ready for you. And we get ready for Christmas simply by unlocking the door. If this morning you don't even know what you need to be ready for Christmas, then hear the good news. You're really ready. Maybe the most faithful prayer you can pray on this first Sunday of Advent is to start at the very beginning. God, I don't even know what to pray for. Lord, come down. When we are ready to pray like that, then we are really ready for Jesus. And when Jesus comes down, it will be a glorious surprise to discover what sort of place and what sort of heart he can make into a home. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless.